Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, yesterday we began to look at God's unchangeability and that this is one of God's incommunicable attributes, meaning it belongs to God alone. All creatures by necessity are changing. In fact, uh, the only thing that's unchanging about us is that we're constantly changing. Uh, We are growing in knowledge, we're growing in holiness and love, and that growth, of course, is change. We're growing old. That's right, we're growing old, that's right, even me. Uh, But since God is already perfect, he has no need to improve. Uh, If he changed, it would only be for the worse. So there are some serious objections that come against this doctrine of God's immutability, and we're devoting a whole show to it today because of how the scripture often describes God's actions. Um, so I just picked out a couple. Um, I think the first difficulty, uh, I think, comes right away in the flood where it says that God you know, repented God in the King James Version that he created man. But let's go to Exodus 32.9. Exodus 32.9 and 10, um, the context is that God is angry at the children of Israel. Um, they're in the wilderness, uh, but they're constantly rebelling against him. And he tells Moses in Exodus 32, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But then, of course, Moses intercedes for Israel in verse 12. And then what happens? Well, God, I'm using scare quotes here, changes his mind in verse 14, and it says, Then the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So, brothers, if God is unchangeable, how are we to understand this particular instance of God's actions? I think it might be even helpful if you, if you um, address that passage in Jonah as well, because I think they tie together. Well, that's um, the second one. Well, that's the second one. Well, you know, I mean, they're both they, – they go together because what, what – Scripture is consistent in this way. Scripture describes God's relational life in anthropomorphic language. You know, um, Calvin referred to that as God's baby talk. He's, he's, um, he's revealing himself in our human language. And, uh, and what we see in that anthropomorphic – um, man's language, there is change around, about, and outside of God, and there is change in people's relationships to God, but there is no change in God himself. God, God is consistent. He, he hates sin. He hates rebellion. He never stops hating sin and rebellion, uh, uh, and so we see that. And when there is a, when there is a, you know, like what you'll see in, in the case of Jonah, uh, that, uh, when the, with this language of relenting, God is not responding to them as they deserve, 
Um, but he is responding, uh, you know, to the change that is affected in Moses pleading for his people. It's it's a change in them, not in God. Mm. And, jo- and God, as as he's just in his judgment against sin, he's he's also merciful and gracious. Mm. And 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 so they're not in conflict with one another. He's responding to um, a change in the action of someone there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and as Jonathan's saying, um, it's really difficult to put into human language the actions, activity, and processes of God. And so did the people deserve with regard to their behavior with the golden calf for God to consume them in wrath. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he says to Moses, let me alone that my wrath may burn against them. But God, when he's saying that, knows that Moses will not let him alone. Mm -hmm. So the conditional statement that that God has used here is, let me alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Let me alone and let my, my, my just justice be poured out upon this people. But he also knows, because he's outside of time and space, that Moses will be an intercessor. Mm-hmm. He's going to prefigure the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. um, on behalf of, of the people and say, no, God, I need you to be faithful to your covenant. And so through this experience of, of writing it this way, what, what in essence is being highlighted is that the Lord is saying they deserve to die. Moses, in essence, is saying true, mm-hmm. but you're a God of covenant. Mm-hmm. What I'm asking you to do is be the God of covenant and at this moment not to pour out your wrath, to yeah. relent. But doesn't mean that the wrath is not poured out. Mm-hmm. That wrath will be poured out. It will either be poured out on the people mm-hmm. in time or in eternity or on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. That's right. So it's just how you understand the framework of trying to understand the dynamics of the story. And what this story is telling us is something not about intercessory prayer, though that's valuable. Right. It's really talking to us about the character of God. Um who at the end of the day in the next chapter is going to reveal himself as one that is loving, gracious, mm-hmm. and who keeps covenant. That's right. You know, one of the principles of sound biblical interpretation is called analogy of faith. And it mm-hmm. simply means that you compare Scripture with Scripture. So the right. things that are not clear, you judge and interpret and make clear by those things that are are clear. And so in this case, and like in any other difficult passage, you have to understand, okay, what can't be happening here? Well, it can't be happening that God is changing his mind. We, we covered that in the last broadcast. But 
one of the things that certainly is happening here is what Paul talks about in Ephesians 1.11, where he says that um, God works according to the purpose. Um, sorry, let me re- read the whole verse. In him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. Here's the part. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. So this happening back in Exodus 32 is something that God had planned to happen. He ordained that it would happen. He... Um, had accounted to tell a story through this. And Russ, I think you said it so so rightly. God is wanting to tell a story about the gospel. He's wanting to tell a story about Jesus Christ. Moses is prefiguring Jesus Christ. It's not that these historical facts didn't have real significance, but ultimately, who is the ultimate intercessor? That's Jesus Christ. He mm-hmm. steps in right. and um, appeases the wrath of God through his own sacrifice, through the, the atonement. And um, so you have to have kind of that that near approach and that far approach. You can yeah. you can interpret the passage right there, but you have to understand what what's the bigger story that God is telling right. in this passage. Okay, so maybe an easier example, and if we pass through this too quickly, then we'll go to a really hard one. But maybe <laughs> an easier example is in the book of Jonah. Um, of course, you know the story. God sent the prophet Jonah to pronounce judgment on Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was interesting because it was the capital of Assyria. These were the the main enemies of God historically at this time. And uh, after the incident with the the great fish, um, Jonah relented and and he went and started preaching, starting in chapter three, verse four. It says, yet 40 days, Mm -hmm. Jonah is uh, crying out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And then what happens? Well, this message pierced their hearts and they turned away from their evil. And then in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. So there's the issue. How do we explain this in light of God's unchangeability? What I mentioned before was there's a change around and about and outside of God. There's a change in the people's relation to him, but there's not a change in God. And, and the the way I would explain this is God's threat to uh, wicked Nineveh. It wasn't an unqualified, unconditional threat. You know, God didn't say uh, send uh, Jonah there to say to the king on the throne. Remember, he talks about repentance. Um, God didn't say to the king on the throne, hearing Jonah's message, uh, or the people that were weeping and the people wondering. It doesn't matter. If you change your ways and repent deeply and cry for mercy and destroy your idols and trust in me, I'm still going to obliterate you. That's mm-hmm. not what he said. Yeah. It, um, so if God had treated them after their repentance in the same way he was going to treat them in their cruelty and contempt for him, then God would be an implacable God, an unjust God. But mm-hmm. he he's just. He's merciful. He's loving. He's um, And so... What we see is the change in the people, their responses, that was a change that God met with his love. And, and so God doesn't change his mood or cool off, um, you know, with regard to, to sin, but he, uh, and so we, we see what happens uh, when people continue in sin, as you said uh, earlier. You know, they're going to be judged. That's going to be judged. It's going to be judged in time or eternity or in Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think we we overcomplicate some of the, the Bible stories and the fact that we use language um, 
in much the same way as yeah. as the the Bible's writers use it. So we use conditional statements um, all the time yeah. with our children, um, and if they adjust behavior to fit the conditions mm-hmm. that we place, we change change yeah. um, how we approach the situation. That was air quotes on the change. Yeah. Because all along, what we desired was the right behavior. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we give threats of punishment, Mm -hmm. not because we want to give punishment, but because we want behavior modified. Yeah. The change will be in them, not in us. That's correct. So if they do make the the correct adjustments to their behavior, Mm -hmm. we're naturally not going to provide punishment when they have changed. Right. You don't know some fathers. <laughs> yeah. So but. the message to the people of Nineveh was, what you're doing goes outside of the decreed will of God. Mm-hmm. Right. And God has said that that activity deserves judgment. Yeah. And judgment will come if you continue right. in your sin. Right. Yeah. And the king understood and Jonah understood the heart of God. The king of Nineveh says, if we repent, maybe God will relent. Yeah. He won't bring the disaster that we've we've earned that because even if they do repent, they still earn God's judgment because yeah. they had already sinned for so long. Yeah. And Jonah understood it because when God doesn't destroy the city, Jonah's saying, I knew this is what you're like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> gracious, loving, slow to anger, abounding right. in love type of God. And um, I don't like it yeah. when it's applied to my enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so everybody in the story understood the nature of God, yeah. that yeah. their only hope was to conform to what God has decreed. That's right. You know, right. just real quickly to summarize that, that, that difference between a conditional promise and an unconditional promise in Scripture is so important to know. Example, God unconditionally promises that Jesus will return and judge the living and the dead. Uh, and he conditionally promises that if you continue in your sin, you're going to be cut off. And if you repent of your sin and turn turn, turn to Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved. This has been the Good. Gospel for Life. Go to ReformationBoise.com to find out more about us and to register for our upcoming conference in November. We'll see you next time. 